Welcome to the Prep Huddle Podcast. I'm KJ Pilter, and I'll make this proclamation. This podcast has more Jeffs than you do. I'm here alongside Jeff Winder and Jeff Johnson of the Gazette, getting ready to discuss a little bit about uh, prep football, last week's results, kind of how the RPI is shaping up in Class 5A as uh, they enter their uh, final two weeks, and then we'll look ahead to week eight, the conclusion of the small class uh, regular season and uh, uh, more uh, big class uh, as they get ready for the postseason here going forward. So uh, first off, guys, uh, you know, might be a wet one here this week Mm -hmm. after a little dip in the temperatures last week. Now we're getting into football weather, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we sure are. Um, I, I had a wet one last week. I don't know what, if you guys got any rain at, at your uh, sites, but I was uh, no. I was at uh, Delhi and it rained for the majority of the game. And uh, um, that uh, became a little bit of a quagmire out there by the end of the game. And, uh, you know, that was just, that was a really good game. But uh, um, how about you guys? What uh, what did you guys have uh, last week? I had Maquoketa Valley in, in North Lynn. Uh, Maquoketa Valley won 22-15 on a late drive to uh, to wrap that one up. Uh, well, I mean, I was at kind of the, I would say the, the biggie, I guess, uh, for the week. Um, I had uh, top-ranked Williamsburg at number seven, uh, Solon. Um and I tell you what, guys, I think this game was everything that uh, uh, everything advertised, right? Coming in, uh, Solon had been on a win streak. You know they've they've won out since uh, that opening week loss to Davenport Assumption. Um, you know Williamsburg was undefeated coming in, and uh, I tell you what, this was a, a I'd say a real defensive battle. Um, between the two teams, Solon came away with a 21-14 victory. And the thing that I think I was most impressed with was the Solon defense. The Solon defense had their back against the wall multiple times and dealt with short fields. Uh, just in the first quarter alone, I think uh, there were two muffed punts that gave Williamsburg really, really good field position. Um, we're talking like 29 in between like the 29 and 35 for, for starting. And usually when you think about Williamsburg, you're thinking, okay, that's automatic points. And I think all that Williamsburg got out of uh, those opening uh, uh, possessions was seven points. One was a missed field goal. Um, the other one I think was a touchdown pass um, from Cockrell to, to Steckley. Might have been like fourth and eight um, that they were able to convert there. Solon got a defensive score. Brett White with a sack. Uh, the ball popped free. Brett Shade uh, picked it up and ran about 60 yards for, for a touchdown. So not only was the defense preventing points from being scored, they were putting up points of their own. Um, but Williamsburg did put together a couple big drives, uh, one right before half. Uh, they uh, they got the ball with about 121 to go. I'm I'm saying um, I don't have the specifics in front of me, but uh, they went all the way down 
Uh, there was a big pass from Bell to Eddie Johnson, who, after he caught it, really carried a couple defenders all the way down to the two. Um, and then uh, Conlon Poynton uh, punched it in. They, they're down at the two with six seconds to go. Lucas Stanton admitted, hey, we're just looking to get set, you know, just three out of this. We're going to take the take the field goal. And he said the guys looked at him and said, no, we want to score. We want to make a statement here. We want to punch it in. And he's like, you know, when you look in the guy's eyes like that and you see what it means to him and how, you know, uh, determined they are, he's like, we went for it. And, and credit to the guys for executing. They scored. That ended up being a big uh, touchdown, 14-7 at half. Williamsburg answered with a, a touchdown pass from Weisskopf to Steckley. Weisskopf went under center again because Cockrell uh, was hurt again. So that's something to kind of watch for Williamsburg going forward. But then uh, Solon put together a late drive and uh, just pretty much had their way um, down the field and got another score uh, to go up 21-14, and that was the game. Even even though a block punt put Williamsburg in prime position, and, and like I said, that was kind of the theme. You know, that was in the fourth quarter, and uh, I think they took over at the 25, you know, someone's 25, and got Bupkis out of it. So credit to the Solon defense. They've really – They've really kind of shouldered the load um, so far. And Colin Poynton, I tell you, that line and him, as the game goes on, they get stronger. That could be a good formula for them in the postseason. And uh, uh, good game. And this is a game we, we could see again in the playoffs. JJ, where were you at this last week? I had the co-watch ball. And uh, and I did bring colaches. I did not did go back really? on my word from last week. Um, uh, score bakery was closed when I was over there, so I ran to Kathy's Pies, and they had a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, and I'm sorry about my kitty cat here. Uh, they had a bunch of uh, colaches, so I bought like a dozen and just put them up in the press box and said, "Have at it, everyone who wants one." So. Um, you know, Prairie's a nice team. That was the last of the Metro and, and Iowa City teams that I've, I hadn't seen yet. And, uh, you know, they it's uh, Casey Kelly got hurt. We all know about him and, and how good he's been as a running back this season. And, you know, it didn't really matter. They kind they, they, uh, the backup came in, uh, did a nice job. And I mean, that, that that's a nice football team, guys. And, you know, obviously a big one this week for, for Prairie against, uh, against Bettendorf, um, Jefferson, you know, it didn't, I know it's been tough for them. They, they, they've lost four in a row now, and, but they have a, a, a legit chance, uh, you know, to, to get that, uh, to get that or to clinch that, um, uh, winning record Friday night against Downport Central. And that would be a, I did a little research that would, Jefferson's only had a winning record four times since 1985. So that's wow. pretty much 40 years. So for Jefferson to, you know, to beat a central team that's down uh, Friday night and to, and to clinch that fifth win and, and, and clinch a, a winning record would, would really be uh, 
I think really important step for, for everyone over there. And, uh, so, you know, we'll see how things work out, um, you know, Friday night, but uh, yeah, the Colach bowl, always good. Um, what was the severity of uh, Kelly's injury? Is this something that's going to keep him out for a while or, or something that uh, he could be back this week or, or even for week nine? Yeah, it was an ankle. Um, it looked pretty good, but he was, um, he was kind of walking around on it in, in bare feet after the game and, and uh, was lipping, but uh, he, uh, they didn't sound very concerned. I think that he probably could have got it taped up and went back in the game uh, last Friday night after it happened, but they didn't really need it and, uh, you know, rest them for a, for a big game. And uh, again, I got cats here on my lap that are just <laughs> creating havoc. Sorry about that, everyone. But yeah, I think he'll be fine, um, you know, tomorrow night against Bettendorf. So. so, yeah, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. Just uh, generally speaking, uh, whether you thought he'd be back yeah. uh, at the yeah. season. We're not doctors, so, you know, our diagnosis exactly. is still – we don't want to give out any false uh, diagnosis or anything, so sorry about putting you on the, the spot. Oh, no worries. But, We're uh, not doctors, and we don't even play one on TV. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Maybe we'll dress up for a doctor on uh, uh, Halloween. How about that? That might be the place to get. Right? Um, I'm going to dress up as a high school football coach. Are you really? I did that one year. Did you really? I uh, I went to uh, I dressed up as a uh, Kennedy coach Brian White. <laughs> I had a Junior Cougars uh, uh, shirt. I just said Cougars on the on the side. It was a collared shirt. Wore khakis. You didn't say family. <laughs> did yeah, the family. You couldn't find a two by four and to carry around with you, huh? That's I had it. No. <laughs> Nope. Uh, I had a I had a Kennedy hat from uh, that uh, that softball venture, and I had headphones with uh, with a makeshift little microphone uh, microphone, and had a little sheet in my hand. Um, it was lost on the uh, St. Ludmilla third grade <laughs> um, students whose Halloween party I was helping out at, but. Anyway, so I think maybe I'll find uh see if I can find a pair. Remember the the coaches in the eighties and maybe a little bit in the nineties. They wore those really tight. What were they? Bike? Were they bike? Bike. Brand? bike. Yep. Yeah. Bike shorts. shorts. Coaching shorts. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And and the high socks to go with it. I think that would you be gotta a great. Make sure you have the socks with the three stripes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. White I, shoes. On to something here. On to something for Halloween. Yep. Yep. And you got to make sure your hat is sitting high on your head, too. <laughs> hey, while, while we're talking about 80s and 90s football coaches, why don't you guys talk a little bit about Wally Sheets? Oh. Yeah. Uh, Wally Sheets, the uh, uh, former head football coach at uh, Washington, Cedar Rapids, Washington. Passed away uh, at the end of last week, and uh, uh, I think Wally really, uh, you know, he took over for Bud Rainbow. But I think when you look back at who put Washington football on the map, I think you'd have to point to to Wally. Um, 
Well, I, I, you know, I got to play with him or play for him uh, a couple years and, you know, very, very fair, um, very good coach, um, you know, knew a lot about the game. Um, I didn't realize he was kind of ahead of his time as JJ, you found out with uh, coach James, he really was kind of an innovator with uh, the high school passing game before it, it was in vogue really. Yeah, that was really interesting. And, and it, it was even more interesting. Um, you know, the, uh, that Greg Purnell of all people, uh, and, and I don't know, I know folks <laughs> yeah. that, that know, know the story, but, uh, Wally and, and, and Greg had, uh, had a feud. I mean, let's, let's just put it that way. Um, there. there was uh, an incident of 1985 playoff game. Uh, Washington might have been Wally's, certainly definitely one of Wally's best teams, if not his best. When they defeated uh, Matt Limar in the playoffs that year, I think it was the semifinals, and uh, the forecast was awful, um, sleet, you know, rain, all this kind of stuff. So Wally went uh, and got the okay from you and I to, to play the game up at UNI, and Greg Purnell said no. Uh, Washington already played up there uh, a couple of times that season. And, you know, uh, Washington was probably the favorite coming into the game, right? So uh, Purnell was just doing his thing um, to, to try and protect his players and give them the best chance to win. And, you know, the they basically played on a sheet of ice. Limar ended up winning, I think, by six points or seven points or something like that. And the coaches you, got into it. Did you mention the fact that the the site of the game was so crucial because of the different styles of play that they had where Washington was really fast and athletic and Linmar kind of benefited from that sloggy type yeah, of exactly. Uh, condition? Exactly. Um, and, you know, Linmar ended up winning and, and the, they, they got to – uh, they got into it a bit at the end of the game in the handshake line at, at Kingston. And from then on, I think it became a pretty big rivalry, uh, both school wise and, and coaching staff wise, but, you know, uh, put out on Twitter last week that, um, that, uh, Wally had, had passed away and, uh, got a phone call from coach Purnell of all people, you know, just wanted to know if he wanted, uh, you know, he wanted to send his best to, to the family and everything. I wanted to know if I – I wanted a quote from him. And I'm like, heck, yeah, you know, because he was an assistant for uh, Bob Timmerman uh, over at Dubuque-Kempston. And KJ, you know, as a, as a Wash guy, that there was a huge rivalry between Hempstead and uh, and Washington before the whole Limar thing happened. So right. – uh, Right. Him and Timmerman you know, were – It was uh, – it came out of the blue – uh, it was great. It was great to talk to, to Coach Purnell, who lives in uh, in the suburbs of Chicago and still kind of out a little bit. Uh, I think it's Downers Grove North uh, High School that, uh, you know, he kind of helps out from time to time. So, anyway, that was a long, long story about Wally. But Wally was definitely uh, one of the best coaches at the Metro scene. And, um, you know, KJ, you were fortunate enough to play for him. And uh, I had him at driver's ed. <laughs> As a driver's ed teacher, he did that for years. Uh, you know, there's got to be a special sainthood in, for somebody who's a driver's ed teacher in, in high school for 30, 40 years, whatever it was, right? So, yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, and, and it was interesting. I think you pointed out that Paul James mentioned that, you know, he was big on giving kids a second chance and a second chance through football, which uh, I, I think was kind of a hallmark of, of his teams and just or, or his approach, I guess, that, you know, kind of helping kids through uh, the sport of football um, was just as important as the wins and, and kind of what he did um, as a coach. And, you know, and, and it surprised me a little bit that uh, he is third all time in the Metro for wins behind uh, Julian Schulte at Xavier and then former LaSalle coach uh, Tom Kapadich. So uh, that that really was impressive. And you got to remember, too, um, you know, he made quite a few semifinal games, but that was before the semifinals were at the Unidome, right? Yeah, that's kind of a measuring stick. You know, how many times did you make it to the Unidome and and everything? And I don't think Wally ever made it up there, never really got over that semifinal hump just because of some of the people that he faced, like Timmerman at Hempstead. I think they had a couple uh, years back to back where uh, they faced off in the semis and then Hempstead went on and won the title um, after being washed by a point in the semis. Then they cruise through a, a state title in the championship game. Purnell, obviously. Bettendorf. Um, Bettendorf, yep. I think uh, a couple times uh, kept him from the finals. So, But a heck of a career. And, uh, you know, Washington has lost, you know, three coaches here that Amen. had a impact, you know, in that late, you know, 80s, early 90s with, Chris Cruz, the, the swimming coach, who was an athlete at that time. Randy Ray, who was a wrestling, the wrestling coach at that time. And now Wally Sheets. So uh, they say it comes in threes, and it certainly has there. And our hearts, uh, our thoughts, and everything go out to uh, the Cedar Rapids, Washington football family and uh, uh, the family, of co- family and friends of Coach Sheets um, there as well. So, um. You know, kind of looking back at last week, are there any other games that we didn't touch on that uh, that kind of stood out to you guys that, um, you know, were kind of had uh, an impact on how things are going into week eight? Was uh, was Marion Decora last week? Was, was that yeah. last week or is that two weeks ago? That was, that was a biggie. I, I would say that that's a biggie and uh, – that's probably going to be a, a game that's going to put Marion in the playoffs for sure. If they can get yeah, one. Yeah, that was one they needed. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, Jeff, that's uh, that's exactly right. And uh, scored late under a minute, I believe it was, on, on a touchdown pass uh, to win that game. So uh, Marion's got a very winnable game against uh, Mason City at home Friday night and then uh, Waverly. Uh, the proverbial best one-win team in state history, right? Uh, the following week, so uh, yeah, Michael Joyner, the coach over there, is a, is a math teacher, so you know he's got this all figured out to the to the uh, to the last decimal point, and uh, he does think that uh, a one more win will would get him in, and that would be a nice accomplishment uh, for this team, I think. So, absolutely. Uh, Grinnell uh, with a one-point win over Benton. Benton, a couple uh, back-to-back heartbreakers there 
losing in double overtime to Solon two weeks ago, and now the one point uh, loss to Grinnell. Um, what's their What's their situation kind of looking like, uh, Lindy? Well, I, I would say it's probably kind of dire because they still have to play Williamsburg in week nine too. So they're looking at, uh, you know, unless they can pull an upset, they're probably going to be five and four. And uh, right now they're sitting 19 and three uh, ARPI. So um, they're going to have to pull an upset uh, over Williamsburg, I think to, to get in. And that's, uh, that's going to be no small task. Just kind of looking at a couple other uh, games. Uh, Maquoketa Valley uh, with the 22-15 win over North Lynn. Where, uh, you were at, Lindy. Um, MFL Marmac uh, with a win over Denver, 28-7. Um, so they're staying right there at the top of that uh, really competitive district um, as well. So a couple games. How did how did that uh, Mac Valley-North Lynn game uh, kind of – uh, kind of play out. Played out very wetly. Well, um, uh, Valley came down and scored twice, bang bang, and in, in like six minutes, uh, they got a, they drove, uh, had a like a quick two play, fifty six yard drive. Uh, McShane got loose for thirty yards for a touchdown. And then they got an interception for a touchdown. It was fourteen nothing, and you think, boy, they're on their way here, but. Uh, um, North Lynn came right back. They got a kickoff return for a touchdown from uh, Cole Griffith and then another touchdown. And, uh, you know, shortly, I think it was the first play of the second quarter. So, you know, five seconds into the second quarter, it's 15, 14. I didn't think there'd be that many points scored in the whole game. Um, then they just kind of punted back and forth and, um, it's about halfway through the fourth quarter. And um, Northland had first and goal at the four. And you think, boy, they're going to score here and they're going to go up eight and it's going to get really tough. But uh, a high snap uh, turns fir- first and four from t- into uh, second and 21. And I think a couple incompletions and a sack and Mac Valley takes over to 34 or something like that. And then they, uh, they run one pass for about six yards and then it's uh Lance McShane for a big run and then Lance McShane for a lot of little runs and uh they went with a two fullback uh play on fourth and four from the five and he got in to go up 20 to 15 and uh ran the exact same play on the two-point conversion it's 22 15 and that's how it ended up so looking ahead there are some big games in class 5a um, this week, especially for a couple of area teams or a few area teams, um, on the gazette.com, you can see, uh, Linder's breakdown of, uh, kind of the RPI situation. Um, you know, Jeff, can you kind of run us through, um, kind of where the RPI is, is sitting for, for a lot of teams with some big games coming up here that, that'll really, sure. uh, kind of boost or or sink maybe even yeah something. um well first of all at the top southeast polk and dowling play friday uh the winner of that game is going to be the one seed overall the loser is going to be the two unless the two unless that team loses in week nine and that's that that ain't happening uh bet north and pv are next in line for um for the next home home dome dome scenario uh both of them have 
uh, a couple games left that are not gimmies. Uh, Bettendorf still got Prairie this week, and they go to City High next week. PV goes, uh, they host West, Iowa City West, and then they go to Linmar. So uh, both, I would say, are favored to win both, but I don't think any of those four games are a slam dunk. Next in line, you've got Kennedy. Um, they go to Cedar Falls this week, and they host Davenport North. Uh, if they would win both and one of those teams ahead of them would drop one, then they would jump into that three or four role. Uh, Ankeny's kind of in that same situation right behind Kennedy at six, and they would uh, um, be in the same situation where they could host two games if uh, two of the top three teams ahead of them would lose once. Um, Joaquin Northwest is at seven. Uh, they play Centennial and Ames. Waukee's at eight, and they have two, I would say, pretty close to slam dunk, slam dunk games in Des Moines, Roosevelt, and Council Bluffs, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, then we go to nine. Uh, Prairie is nine, and they're the top four and three team. They go to Bettendorf, and then they go to Iowa City West. If uh, they would win twice, then they could uh, they could still make a pretty good jump. Um, if they win twice, I'd say they're sitting really good at being – I'd say they would definitely be a top eight team if they would win twice because they would even leap, leap uh, Waukee if they would win twice. Uh, Centennial's at 10. Cedar Falls is 11. Uh, Centennial still has a toughie with Northwest. Uh, Cedar Falls still has a toughie with, with Kennedy. And then at 12 and 13, you've got Linmar and City High who play each other on Friday. Um, I that winner is that game. What's that? I will be there for that game. Basically. Yeah. So, um, that winner is pretty much in. Uh, the loser's in trouble because they would have to go. Um, they have a toughie in week nine, Linmar host TV, City Highs at Bettendorf. So, uh, I wouldn't say it's a must win for either team, but it's uh, boy, we'd better win. Um, Iowa City West is at 14, uh, four and three. They probably just need one win to get in, but they play at PV this week and home against Prairie next week. So they don't have, uh, they don't have an easy one either way. Uh, then you got three teams at 15, 16, 17, Sioux City East, Urbandale, Johnston. Uh, I lumped those three teams together because Johnston plays both of them. And uh, that's both of those games are going to be really pivotal as far as um, as who makes it. Uh, 18 and 19 is Dubuque Hempstead and Davenport West. They play each other Friday. Uh, I would say the um, if either of those teams can win twice, they're probably going to get in. Anything less than that is uh, not going to be good enough. Then you got at 20. I, I wanted to include West Des Moines Valley at 20. They're two and five. Uh, they've got Ankeny this week, and then they go to Marshalltown in week nine. And if they win both, I think they're definitely going to get in at four and five. And that's uh, that's the name of that tune. Interesting. Uh, any thoughts, uh, JJ, about uh, what Linder just uh -huh. laid out in front of you? I think that uh... – and I can't remember who it was. Uh, it might have been uh, Brian White at Kennedy that said the uh, he loves how the haves 
in 5A are having to was was that your your story, Lindy, where you said the, yeah. you, you love that the halves in 5A uh, are playing the other halves. Uh, and, and by, you know, vice versa to the, the schools that don't have the resources that, uh, the haves have, um, are playing each other and getting wins and all that kind of stuff Did Uh, basically, is that kind of what he, what he said? Lindy? Yeah. yeah. And like it, it. Yeah. Yeah. He likes it. He, he really, uh, commended the, the association for, for doing it that way. And if you're one of the quote unquote halves, if you get into the, if you, can win five games you're getting into the playoffs uh if you're a team with a, a weaker schedule well you the good thing is that week schedule has some wins in it probably you might win six you might win seven but you're probably going to need to win seven to get into the playoffs just the way the rpi works um what is this about year three or four maybe five of the rpi i think um it's proven to be a pretty good system Let's move uh, move ahead to this week here uh, quickly. A lot of a lot of big games. Uh, there are some situations that uh, we knew it was kind of going to come down to to this week. Um, you know, and specifically, I'm thinking about uh, Class A District Four um, being part of that. Uh, there's some in one uh, A and eight player even that uh, will will really uh, balance on this week's uh, results. But uh, looking at uh, Class A, District 4, um, you've got uh, that group of teams all battling it out. Um, Maquoketa Valley, Starmont, East Buck, North Lynn, and Bellevue. And that sets up a big game with North Lynn and Bellevue. Um here and, and I believe Mac Valley and Starmont uh, face each other. Um, East Buck has a, a winless Postville team, but uh, a, a lot's going to get uh, sifted here this uh, this week, and lots on the line for especially those uh, four teams with Mac Valley, Starmont, Northland, Bellevue. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you can pencil East Buchanan with a win. So um, I would put them in the top two, either depending on how the other games right. uh, turn out, they'll either be district champ or district runner up at worst, right? Right. Starmont, if Starmont wins at home against Mac Valley, Starmont will be the champion. Well, co-champion, but they'll be the ones, they'll be the team that gets the uh, the, the top seed. If Maquoketa Valley would win, that would mean East Buchanan would get the top seed out of that. So Starmont would either probably be the one out of that district with a win or the four with a loss if North Lynn would beat Bellevue. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, the Bellevue-North Lynn game is big because that's a win in your end game. If North Lynn would lose that, they would lose the tiebreaker to Bellevue. So, uh, would hard. It's hard to imagine Northland out of the playoffs, but that's uh, that's where we'd be if they get beat again this week. And then, kind of looking over at one a three, we've got some big games with uh, Dyke New Hartford, Denver, um, Sumner, Fredericksburg, 
it's, it's just it's just kind of weird to think about AP really being uh, out of the picture there. Um, I believe they were ranked to start the the season and out of that top four, but they could have an impact on uh, kind of how things shake out um, with a win over Sumner Fredericksburg. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to have their hands full with Sumner Fredericksburg. Sumner Fredericksburg's really good. Um, the the big game there is at Denver uh, where they host Dyke New Hartford. Um, if Dyke would win, then you're looking at a three-way tie uh, with the 17 point rule coming in, coming into play. And right now, um, MFL has got a big advantage in that, uh, in that category. Uh, and that's, uh, you mentioned the 17 point rule. That's something that, uh, is probably going to come into play, um, in one of the eight player, uh, uh, districts. And right now I can't, uh, remember exactly which district it is with the uh, Bell Plain, um, Montezuma and BGM. Yeah. Um, but right now kind of looking at things in that, uh, in that district, Moravia is four and all, uh, BGM's three and one, and they play each other here this week. Um, right. obviously, uh, uh, if BGM wins, they'll, uh, be that number one team. Uh, they'll be the district champ what have you. However, if BGM doesn't win, if my uh, math is correct, and of course that's highly questionable uh, most of the time, they've got to win to be in because a, a loss to um, Moravia, even an overtime loss where it's minus one in that 17-point tiebreaker, that would drop them below both Bell Plain and Montezuma with them mm-hmm. all tied three and two, assuming that Montezuma defeats uh, Twin Cedars um, this week. With, and you could make that assumption, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's, yeah, a big, so, that's a big game for BGM. I think Montezuma would have the advantage in a three-way tie there. Um, and then I think after that – Let's see. I think that after after the second place team is um, determined, then I think they go head to head, which would be Bell Plain and BGM. And who won that? Bell Plain. Okay, so so BGM could probably either win the district title or have to hope and pray for one of the two at large bids. And uh, let's see with them. Uh... That might be, that might be kind of tough. They'll, they'll be right around the. Yeah, there's only two at large four. bids in 10, 10 districts, so it yeah. wouldn't be it wouldn't be likely. Right. So a lot a lot on the line uh, uh, in week eight, which is pretty cool. I mean, yeah, and, and we haven't talked about one A district five with uh, Wilton, Regina, and West Branch. Uh, right. If West, if Regina would go over to Wilton and win, then you got a three point or a three team, three team deal there, and uh, that would be close. Yeah, as you mentioned, Regina heads to to Wilton and West Branch uh, hosts uh, Durant, so that's uh, another part. Uh, West Branch's win over Regina um, 
couple weeks ago was pretty big and and now Regina needs a, a victory for district title. Uh, let's let's kind of talk about where we're heading. I'm heading to City High Linmar this week. Linmar uh, with a 14-12 win over Davenport West last week. Um, like Jeff mentioned, big game for uh, for both teams. Uh, win goes a long, long way for them to being able to extend their season beyond week nine. So kind of looking for that. Linmar's really bounced back from some injuries and has been playing well, uh, doing what they need to do to win here uh, um, in, in recent weeks. Uh, Lindy, where are you heading? Or JJ, where are you heading? Let's let's Sure. Um Marion first. Marion and Mason City. Um where a Marion win would uh I think give the Wolves a, a playoff berth. So uh we'll have turf there. You'll have you'll have a mutter for sure at Bates Field. Uh <laughs> I've got turf. Lindy, what do you got? I've got turf as well. I've got Prairie and Bettendorf, and uh, that's going to be um, – I think that's going to be a really good, really competitive game. Yeah, I agree. I so, agree. Uh, are you guys ready for uh, a little who's got more? You bet. Quiz? Let's go for it. I'm going put to put you to the test here. All right, some of these are going to be uh, a little out there, but um, <laughs> some not. It's all right. All right, so number one, who's got more? Mount Vernon as a team with sacks, so team sacks for Mount Vernon. Yards per completion for Sigourney Kyoto as a team. Or extra point, successful extra points for Iowa City Regina's Emiliano Herrera Sinwell. Lindy, I'm going with the the Regina kicker. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna say the CEO of Sigourney Kyoto, uh, passing. Okay, you both would be wrong. It is Mount Vernon's total sacks as a team. They have 38 sacks. Wow, that's I thought that was a pretty impressive number. Uh, I think they lead the state uh, with 38 team sacks. Um, and it's one thing, uh, and I could be wrong with this, but when I think of Mount Vernon, I think of the pass game, you know, the offense and the pass game. And boy, their defense is uh, living on the other side of the ball, really, uh, a lot this year, too. So, um, pretty impressive uh, on both sides there for. For the Mustangs. All right. So you guys are both 0 and 1, right? I, yeah. yeah. At the start of every day, it seems like, yes. <laughs> All right. So which group of schools has the most total wins? All right. You've got the Cedar Rapids Public Schools, Iowa City Public Schools. Cedar Falls, Waterloo Public Schools, or Mary and Linmar combined? I guess I have to go first this time, huh? Uh, I can't even describe. 
10. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go uh, Iowa City Storm. I don't know why, but uh, dang. Cedar Rapids. Okay. Linder. I don't think that's right. Um, hmm. I think Iowa City's got 10. I think Marion's got nine. I think Cedar Rapids has 10. Um, but, 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 and what was the other one? The Waterloo, Cedar yeah. Falls, Waterloo combined. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go Cedar Falls, Waterloo. East has a couple wins. I think West has three or four. Cedar Falls, I'll, I'll go Waterloo. Okay. Uh, this was a trick question. Uh oh. You both are right. Uh, you also would have been right if you said the Iowa City public schools. Cedar Rapids has 10 combined, uh, 5 4 and 1 with Kennedy, Jeff, Wash. Uh, Iowa City also has 10. Um, I believe it's 4 4 and 2 with City High West and Liberty. Uh, Marion Linmar has 9 with uh, 5 for Marion, 4 for Linmar. And then Cedar Falls um, and the two Waterloo schools also have 10. Wow. Four, four, and two, so, right? Yep, four, four, and two. So a little bit of a trick question, and you both get credit for it. All Yay. right. Just as long as you stayed away from Marion Linmar, you're gonna you're gonna be all right. <laughs> and, and they might have the most per per school of any of them because they're they're at one school down. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, most passing TDs this season: Oof. Vincenzo Gianforte. Of Kennedy, Gentry Dumont of Regina, Kellen Cockrell of Williamsburg, or Graham Beckman of Liberty. Oof. Who has the most TD passes this season? I think it's one of the five eight guys. I don't know if it'd be Beckman or if it'd be Gian Forte. Um, I didn't do capsules this week. If I did, then I would have known. <laughs> um, I'll say Beckman. I think right. it's Vinny. I think it's Vinny. You're going with Vinny yep. and Graham, and you both would be wrong. It is Kellen Cockrell of Williamsburg. Really? Okay. He has, despite the injury and Derek Weisskopf coming in, he has 21 TD passes this year. Vincenzo Gianforte and Gentry Dumont both have 20, and Graham Beckman has 19. So, so Linder gets all, minus two for that, for together. being wrong. We're most wrong. <laughs> Yep, but uh, it, in with Cockrell being hurt, but remember the weapons that he has around him with Heitman oh, yeah. and Weechin and yep. Weisskopf, so um, he's been able to to lead the way there in that group. Okay, so which number is higher? Okay, uh, Iowa City Wests. The interception return yards for Iowa City West's Santana Miller. QB rating for Cedar Rapids Xavier's Ronan Thomas. Or single game receiving high in yardage for Cedar Rapids Prairie's Apollo Payne. 
Hoping that I think uh I go first, so I think let's see, see I was two. Um and Ronan Thomas QB rating is one twenty six. Apollo Pain. Uh Apollo Pain. You're going with Apollo Pain. What was the first option? It is uh interception return yards. For Iowa City West's Santana Miller. I'm going to go with rating. that. You're going to go with Give me that? Santana Miller. Santana Miller. The actual correct answer is Ronan Thomas. <laughs> According to Bound, his QB rating is 172.7. Wow. Uh, Apollo Payne um, had 140 yards receiving. In one of the games for uh, Prairie, and of course I neglected to write that down, but he had a game where he caught seven passes for 140 yards this season. Um, and then Santana Miller has 136 return yards, including 80-plus uh, uh, against Washington when he returned one for a touchdown. Um, so he has 136 return yards for might be just two interceptions, but um, pretty high number there. So, sorry, right. Ron. So I'm stumping you guys pretty good here. Embarrassing. It's always, it's always easier when you're asking the questions. By the way, <laughs> okay. So which number is higher? Right. Combined touchdowns by sophomores Brady Bolton of Montezuma and BGM's Bo Burns, which is a lot. Yes. Um, longest TD run by Western Dubuque's Grant Glauser or the years that the three of us have <laughs> covered sports full-time. And I say full-time because, J.J., I think you were doing part-time stuff uh, before you actually were the full-timer. And, of course, I worked in advertising. Linda, you uh, – we're at other outlets and stuff covering sports before you got to the Gazette. So how many full-time years the three of us have covered sports in some fashion at the Gazette? Glauser was the second one. Who was the first? The combined touchdowns by sophomores, oh. Brady Bolton, the Montezuma, and BGM's Bo Burns. Who goes first, me? Yep. I'm going to go Glauser. Glauser, okay. Well, I think it. it's Glau I'm going to go Glauser as well. You would both be right. Yay. So you guys end on a win. Glauser had an 88-yard touchdown run um, in a 31-24 win over North Scott. He finished that game uh, 389 yards on 31 carries and four TDs Man. against uh, a really good North Scott team. Uh Brady Bolton of Montezuma and BGM's Bo Burns, both sophomores, by the way. Okay. Brady Bolton really kind of uh, continuing that line of, of playmakers from Eddie Burgess to Owen Cook uh, and now him. Uh, him and Bo Burns, who I believe is the son of Jared Burns, the yep. coach of BGM. They have combined for 85 total touchdowns <laughs> this year. Uh, I believe they're one and two um, in the state, 43 and 42 um, there. 
And then, of course, the three of us, we've been uh, covering sports at the Gazette full-time for 85 combined years. How's that make you feel? Uh, Elderly. <laughs> very old. Very, very much so. Very much so. Well, another good week on tap here. Uh, another uh, had a heck of a week last week, so it'll be tough to top, but a lot of big games this week. We're getting close to the postseason. Uh, it's what, eight player 1A and eight player A, 1A and 2A wind up the regular season this week um, with the playoffs uh, beginning next week or the postseason starting next week for, for those classes. Uh, any final words or thoughts? here before we finish up yeah, yeah. I, th I think the playoffs uh the qualifiers will be announced friday night late and i think the first round pairings will be released saturday um and that's a deal where only the first round will be announced and then after the first round they'll uh they'll bracket the round of 16 and quarterfinals together in into 14 pods okay all right so week nine for those small schools, almost kind of like a play-in game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. And if you don't make the playoffs, you can still play a reg uh, ninth regular season game, correct, guys? If I remember correct. right. Okay. Yep. yep. Yep, that gives them a, a, a chance to to get a full season in with those teams that don't make that 32-team that cut. So, all right. Well, uh, I'd like to thank uh, Jeff and Jeff for uh, – their contribution and all their work. Thanks to Nathan for the guy behind the scenes that puts up with us every week. Uh, we'd like to thank you guys for watching. Um, and we appreciate the support and uh, make sure to check out all our coverage at the gazette.com. Um, on not just football, but uh, high school sports as volleyball is getting into the nitty gritty. Yeah. Um, starts Monday. So uh, special time of year here in the fall. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching, and uh, make sure to tune in next week. Thank you very much, and as always, keep your head on schedule. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.